Welcome back to Consuming the Craft Podcast. This is Puff. Sorry about the hiatus, but when classes start, I get busy like a one-armed paper hanger. With me today, Dong, is Mr. Lida, John Lida, the Stallworth, the linchpin in this program. Thanks for being here once again, John. That discovered a sound effect for you. <laughs> you gotta love that. No, I do love that. I do love that. And so we talked... A little bit about before we uh, always record. Always record. Always record. That's my fault. That's my fault. And so we talked about the season coming up. And when we say season, it's a new student season. Uh, we have a new group of students starting in the fall as we do uh, every year. It's our 10th anniversary of the, uh, the start, the uh, tip of the spear of the program. Started in August of 2013. We now have our 10th starting cohort uh, it's t- 2023. It's pretty crazy how how time has gone. Oh, I thought when you said new season, you were talking about pumpkin season. Like the pumpkin spice latte that you drank this morning oh, on the way in? Oh, no, no, no. No really? pumpkin beer, no pumpkin spice latte, no pumpkin pie. You know, that's a funny thing you mentioned pumpkin, because right now it is uh, September in uh, Asheville, North Carolina. And it's when a- did pumpkin come out? Well, that's the thing. So one of the things that I mentioned to the students just the other day, I was like, has anyone grown pumpkins? And, you know, a couple of them raised their hand. I was like, when did you harvest those pumpkins? And they were like, well, late October, maybe November, somewhere around there. Even pumpkin pie pumpkins, which usually finish up a little earlier, maybe late September. Isn't that called the creep? Seasonal creep. Because we are also drinking, one of my favorite beers of this season is the Oktoberfest Fest beer from Sierra Nevada. Definitely. That that What a well-balanced beautiful expression of a beer definitely you know when you're talking about fest beers technically Oktoberfest hasn't even started yet a big kudos to jennings yeah scott jennings way to go i mean that that beer is a is a marvel it's fantastic and i know he had his hands in it because he's a phenomenal phenomenal brewer yes um but the seasonal creep thing uh if you harvest a pumpkin now and you caramelize it, and you do all the things that you need to do with it to brew with it, you still need a couple of weeks to make the beer. And then you package the beer. Oh, and it goes to the distributor, and then it goes on the shelf. So still... You still need conditioning time, well, too. Uh, honestly, when you're speci- doing something yeah, like that. Those, specifically with those beers. Those, those flavors yeah, yeah. need to meld and all that. They got to mature. Yeah. They re- and honestly, four weeks would be better than... Then two and six weeks might even be better than that. And you're talking botanical spices too. So you're talking cinnamon, clove, ginger, nutmeg, all those things in a pumpkin pie spice. Those those need time. And it's it's curious to you and I and to some of the folks that are out there that those beers seem to show up a little earlier every year. Just a little bit. Again, creep. Seasonal creep. It's what's a, you know, people start Googling uh, your favorite uh, uh, coffee drink, pumpkin spice lattes. Uh, <laughs> the look you just gave me, I'm glad we, I, we're I not can, on uh, video yet. I can honestly <laughs> say I've never had one. No, that's fair. But seasonal creep is interesting. New batch of uh, students here. Uh, we have some returning second years coming back. Uh, great group of students. And uh, one of the things uh, we've been trying to do uh, is keep up some of uh, some of our graduates one recently came in, and we don't need to use names or say anything about anybody, uh, but he had a, a, about a batch, a fight with the Rona, with, with COVID, and he lost his sense of smell, 
and he lost his sense of taste. And in this industry, there's a there's a safety concern, a safety aspect to that. Yeah, because you can't smell if there's a gas leak or well, if, if you're using CO2 natural gas, CO2. Like well, uh, even parasitic acid. Yeah, you know, you, you're smelling that really really harsh acid when you're measuring it out to dilute it to sanitize stuff with it. And you think about if there's a spill or there's, you know, something along those lines that could be very very detrimental to your health. You just like in my brain, I'm like, well, you can't, you couldn't smell it. So what do you do? So that uh, person in question has a, a smelling eye dog. <laughs> yes, he has someone who can smell that if he's going into those places in his uh, in the manufacturing facility. I don't think that person would be <laughs> happy about you calling him a no, dog but, or yeah, her or, a or dog. the no, the nose. They're the nose. They're the canary in the coal yeah, mine. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's what it kind of goes back to. It's very, very interesting to think about that, that canary in the coal mine uh, story where they would bring down the canary, and if the, the air quality got too too low, the canary would then um, uh, basically pass out. So it's one of those things where I didn't really think about it. I, I came at it from a sensory aspect, uh, sensory analysis aspect, and, and it would be very hard to create a product Um with you know trying to keep it the same from batch to batch to batch when you don't have that olfactory sense you don't have that sense of smell you don't have that sense of taste but the, i so that's I, why you have tasting panels what, in that situation no 100% but what i didn't think about and what you teach every uh, fall semester is safety mm-hmm. like i didn't think about the safety aspect of not being to sm- not being able to smell yeah because most people think they smell stuff, but it, actually your nose detects changes in smells. It doesn't smell, mm-hmm. so to speak. So you have to, if it's a constant stimulus, which in in uh, an industrial setting could be very detrimental to your nose and to your health. Which is like people who um, have nerve damage or something like that where they can't feel heat. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, yeah, that's yeah, yeah, another yeah. one too. No, it's see, and that, that's kind that, of what yeah. I, I cover as well is if you can't feel the heat... Well, and the other you need th- to get out of the kitchen. No. Right? <laughs> or something like that. Well, and the other thing too, when you're testing something for heat, touch it with the back of your hand, mm. not the front. Oh, I Just thought that's t- electricity. T- well, no, <laughs> electricity you do that as well. Yeah, which explains your curly hair. Yeah, so you always electricity, you always touch it with the back. See, you so always... you don't grab onto whatever well, you're touching. Well, no, don't grab on anything. But yeah, that's the same kind of th- don't. There's testers now for some of this stuff. That's true. <laughs> Wait, the tongue thing is out of... Well, that's how you test a 9-volt. Oh, I thought it was like 900 volts. That explains also a lot. Also explains quite a bit. But that, that whole safety aspect of all five senses, and when one is muted, you just... you takes, A lot of folks will take a lot of this stuff for granted, and it's just very interesting to think about that from, from a safety aspect. Mm-hmm. Now, as far as safety goes, we, we have something... Very unique for us to try on Booze Clues. Very unique. Um, one of the second-year students brought it in for us uh, from the good folks over at Durham. Uh, they have brought in from the Brothers Vigilus. I, I hope I, I'm sure I destroyed that name because um, we've had some Krupnikas from them, and and that is like a Lithuanian herbal honey-infused spirit. Mm-hmm. It's it's a liqueur. It's it, I've had a lot of different uh, honey based things from them, and he brought in. Uh, it's called Beatnik, B E A T N I K, 
and it actually is Wait, not B E E T. No, 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 it's Beatnik. Okay. Yeah, which I thought was kind of an interesting play because it you, should have you, been B E E T. No, but but you but you kind of alluded to what was in it. It's got beets, orange zest, thyme, rosemary, sage, and fennel. Uh, it, it, it's also it's a liqueur, and it uh, it's at thirty percent. It's a savory liqueur as opposed to some of the sweet herbal or sweet liqueurs that are out there. And give it a try. Um, we have tasted this before, but I, I want you to kind of talk sensory and talk what you smell and taste because when we first opened it, the rosemary was very, very prominent. Yeah, I, so we, I'd still get the rosemary. Yeah, Just definitely. like a smack in the head with the rosemary, which is not necessarily a bad thing. No, it, it, um, it, savory it, liqueur, <laughs> which which is a very, very interesting take on a liqueur, I think. But I think with that rosemary, that soapiness that you get a mm-hmm. lot with the, ropiness, uh, with the rosemary, mm-hmm. um, the earthiness of the beets just kind of balance it all out. I love I love the earthiness of this which beats. which it, because you can so I get my nose down into the glass we got these little concave glasses um and you can smell some of the earthiness of the mm-hmm. beets some of that like dirt geosin uh very very uh like salt crust of the earth flavor yeah uh you definitely get the rosemary in the nose it's a very very prominent oil but once you taste it a lot of sweetness I get a little bit of the sage Yep. I don't get as much fennel, but maybe that's me. I do get a little bit of thyme. I think the the orange zest is there to kind of acidify, balance everything out, but I don't get a lot of like orange zest. It, it's it's a super unique liqueur and it's really well balanced. I, I think so too. I would say. I, because of the earthiness. Given the ingredients. Yeah. yeah. That's a, he's got to have a, a a very deft hand to uh to craft uh, this liqueur, and I say he because I know uh, the gentleman that makes it. I've met him, uh, I think, once or twice now. Um, really, really interesting mm-hmm. take on a uh, a savory herbal liqueur. Um, what would you do with this? Uh, I would drink it. Well, that- no, wait. <laughs> <laughs> I think it would be interesting with some tonic. I would, yes, I would agree with Tom. Or even club soda, just like <clears throat> some of the, some of that uh, effervescence, open it up a little yeah, bit. Yeah, and it brings some of those aromatics to our nose. Yeah, um, um, that would that would be really good. Um, I would a little bit of gin, maybe. Well, I was thinking gin. A I would splash all, this in gin. Yeah, I also thought um, because of the botanical nature of it is like a riff on a Bloody Mary. Yes. So you'd have a little vodka. Yes. You'd have a little bit of this. You'd have that uh, tomato you know, base juice, like you wouldn't have to add a lot of the other. Definitely. Yeah. So I think it would be a very, very interesting, or even like a, uh, a savory kind of up martini kind of version. Yes. Right. That's kind of what I was going. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like a gin martini, not yeah. a vodka martini. Well, vo- although, although vodka martini would be really good because if you don't have the right gin, it might clash so it, with yeah. what's in here. So you'd have to get a gin that is, or like a Western style gin, I think something a little more citrus forward. I don't know if the juniper would play well. Well, maybe it would be. You know what? More research needs to continue. Definitely. That's not something we want to do. Let's do a gin that's based on vodka versus. Let's take a distilled gin, gin versus vodka so, in this in it. So what I would think, so let's look at the three different types of gin that the United States recognize. The distilled gin, which is like mm-hmm. you're adding the botanicals right into the mash. Right. So you're going to get like a more grain forward base material, like a grain forward spirit. So if you had a rye base, 
mm-hmm. with that type of botanical. Oh, the right rye on this would be right. very, the spiciness yeah. of the rye would be awesome. Would help with that earthiness and kind of balance of it. You know what else would be really interesting is it an oat whiskey because they both have that kind of earthiness. I don't know if that would get too much. But going back to mm. gin then, a distilled uh, distilled gin we talked about, redistilled gin would be something you'd buy grain neutral spirits or a neutral spirit, whether it's molasses neutral spirits, grain neutral spirits, grape neutral spirits, whatever neutral spirit you want. And then you would uh, add your botanicals, you redistill it after that. So a redistilled gin is going to be something that's clear in the bottle. You're going to have all this botanical stuff. And I think that selecting a redistilled gin, I would, I personally, I think with this would go with like more of that western style citrus forage in with the juniper right. muted but then you know you get to thinking about it that juniper might play very very well with those beets i think it, it would. like a savory kind of yeah i think i think it would and that's kind of why i said you know this would go well with the gin and like you a said martini. and you said it just would. a dash but it, you said it would and that also makes me think that a barrel arrested gin something that has a little bit of that like Ooh, wood yeah. component yeah, yeah right yeah wouldn't that be interesting in this that would be and so you have Especially all this, if you got the vanilla. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you have this juxtaposition of some of these like earthy flavors from the beets. Then you've got like a little bit more sweetness coming from the hemicellulose layer in the oak. And then you've got the oak tannins coming in to to astringify, if you will, some mm-hmm. of the some of the sweetness to balance it out. I, I just All right, we need to do here, some here, research. Here's what we need for to do. For the kids. For the kids. It's for the children. Here's what we're gonna have to do for the students. And I know you're you're not gonna like this. You're not going to like this one bit. We're going to have to try all those iterations in in moderation, very small amounts, of course, for the, you know, and then figure out. We'll do a sensory panel. Well, I think that's a good between idea. Between the two of yeah. us. Yeah, and then we're probably going to need to buy more beatnik because, uh, you know, it, it got the, the creative juices in both of us flowing. Um, to kind of figure out, it, you know, the other thing that's, is. That's a small bottle. It and, is. And you, you kind of already taken care of it. But it was, it was okay. That's fair. Um, you know what else would be good? A vinaigrette. Oh yeah. If you made a vinaigrette with this, yes, on pork. Uh, this oh, on pork. Oh yes. Even a beef, it would be good. Mm. You don't think so? Pork would be better. Well, I mean, pork would be good for you. Beef would be good for me. Yeah. But that I think a vinaigrette with like ooh okay here, hear me out, vinaigrette. With like a blue cheese beef salad with the fresh tomatoes. I think, there you go. You heard it. You heard, you heard it. it first. <laughs> I love that little trick. <laughs> You're going to hate that now. No, it, it, it would take you to find that too. That's, that, I mean, let's be honest. Um, what are you looking forward to up in this semester? Uh, well, this semester we have a really good uh, group of uh, students. Yeah, but don't don't say that out loud. They, no, we don't want. Okay, to, no big heads. No, no big heads. No big heads. Um, looking forward to that. Uh, you know, you know who we really have to thank between me and you. Who's that? James Schramm. Yes, he would be as red in the face as anybody you've ever seen. He would be super embarrassed by us even mentioning him on this podcast. But James Schramm has been our lab manager here. He was here before you got here. Yes, um, by a year. Yeah, by a year. Yeah. He has been here, and he is uh, an international treasure as far as I'm concerned. He's, he's the glue. He Honestly, this program doesn't work if he's not here. I really don't think so. Mm-hmm. I think he he's just he's this background guy that just doesn't get enough credit, and uh, I think that that is uh, that's sad because, it, I mean, if you talk to any of the former grads here or any of the former alumni, anybody that's gone through the program, 
even taken one class and they decided it wasn't from them, they still loved you. Mm-hmm. And everyone's like, everyone that's listening to this that was a part of it, like, oh, yeah, I totally love Jim. Jim is the best. Yep. Because Jim is the best. And, and I can't thank Jim enough uh, for all that he has done. Uh, I can't thank you enough for all that you've done. Oh, no. I mean, you called me into your retirement and was like, hey, do you got anything for me to do? And I was like, you stupid. <laughs> you And I was like, yeah, sign here on this line. Yeah. Sign here on this dotted line. No, it's a lot of fun. I, it, I, love, uh, I love hanging out with the, with the youngsters. They bring fresh ideas. Uh, we've got some really interesting ideas specifically yes. this semester. And that's, that's what's really... Diversifying some that's of That's what's really awesome. Yeah. Uh, especially some of the classes that I teach mm-hmm. is hearing some of their concepts. And, and it's like, yeah. I that, mean, that's awesome. A hundred percent. Let's let's try to let's, find somebody to help you out. And flesh this out more. Yeah. I mean, you have this concept, but like, how do you get it to not only the market, but how do you, uh, how do you source some of this stuff in a commercial scale? Yeah. How do you handle this stuff? Like, you know, pumping molasses is different than pumping water, right? Mm-hmm. And so sourcing some of the things to move some of these large quantities of things around, you know, it's just... It, it, manufacturing on an industrial scale is different than brewing it on your stove at home. Yeah. And so when we look at, you know, solving problems and helping them kind of, we, we, I love to play devil's advocate because I'm like, okay, this is a great idea. What about this, this, and this? You got to figure these problems out. Well, that's what I do too. No, it's, I, I know because you it's, it's, both, it's, it's not, it's no good for them. If, if you give them pie in the sky, no, because that's not going to happen. A lot of times it's like, okay, so how do you source this one ingredient that's only grown here at this certain amount of time well, and you gotta, for your year round product? Right. It, it goes back to, uh, this liqueur actually that just came out. Saint uh, relative, yeah. Saint Germain. So the elderflowers, okay. right? They harvest yeah. the elderflowers. Yeah. They only bloom one time a year. Your father smells of an elderflower. <laughs> that's an elderberry, not an elderflower. Oh, but okay. they, they harvest those flowers. They distill them that, you know, they're basically distilled that day because flowers are pretty delicate and the, the smells yeah. uh, will go away pretty quick. So it's, when you have an idea that is, I wouldn't say akin to that, but just anything like that, when you're, when you're talking about agricultural based products, yeah, you've got to figure out a way to process them or dry them or store them or do yeah. something with them relatively yeah. quickly. In, in quantities that make sense. Well, it, well, not only having enough, but like financially, if this 375 milliliter bottle was $400, it would not be sitting on this table right now and you and I wouldn't be discussing it. Unless no. someone donated. <laughs> no, which they did. Which they did, so I don't know how much it costs actually. Yeah. I doubt it was four hundred. I wonder because it's a flip top. I wonder how they took care of that uh, in I, terms of tax stuff. I, I'm pretty sure they had a uh, shrink wrap over the top. Oh, they did. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I, I've that's seen something before, else we yeah. teach. Also, is yeah. is uh, the uh, legal side of things and how to how to do it. I, I think. Um, oh, we I, the other folks we wanted to thank uh, uh, all our adjuncts coming back and teaching once again for us. I, I can't. Uh, thank them enough for even even Greg, yeah, yeah even, yes, even Greg. Okay, um, we've got some amazing folks in this area uh, that come and guest lecture, that come and talk in classes, or even adjunct a class for us. And uh, we're we're lucky to be where we are, surrounded by all these really really smart people. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's be honest. Um, I may not be the sharpest spoon in the drawer. Um, so that's why I surround myself with people like you. No, 
No, you're way smarter than me. Because uh, you're from Iowa. And the only thing you had to do in Iowa was study. I have these mountains that I could hike around I could and bike run, I and could all run, that. I could run through cornfields. Yes, exactly. Infinite. So Infinite you got way smarter than me because you had <laughs> no mountains to hike and bike and no trout streams. I, I will have you know how there many, are, how many, there are how trout many? streams in the, in the state of Iowa. And no. on top of it, we're the 17th hilliest state. Hill. Elevation hill. change. Elevation change, I was the 17th. By about like five feet hills. <laughs> Elevation change. I grew up along the Mississippi River. We had some bluffs. We have the steepest street in Iowa, in Dubuque, Iowa, okay. where I grew up. All right, cool. It's pretty frightening. I'll take that. <laughs> uh, also, another guy we need to thank. The maintenance guy out here, Dennis. Dennis. He keeps all this stuff running. He just fixed our, uh, our water heater. Thank that guy. He's also the guy that uh, takes all our spent grain, feeds it to his cattle. So thanks, mm-hmm. thank you, Dennis. Uh, he, he, every once in a while, he brings trout back. He, he's a he's a prolific trout fisherman. Mm-hmm. Uh, follow, follow, Which they following don't have the rules Iowa. and regular. They don't they have. Ha- we have stocked streams in Iowa. There's not okay. a lot of them. Okay, so because there's with, not a lot of them that stay cold enough to you, keep the. You trout fish from. with corn, right? Some not fly, but some, corn. Sometimes that's pe- that's what those trout. Understand? They understand corn, not flies. I'm not saying I haven't caught a trout on a can of corn once or twice. I'm not saying that. It's illegal around here. You can't use corn around here. No, that's it, funny. At least in in uh, Cherokee. I've never used corn here. Yeah. I Who would want to? I no. mean, you got flies. Yeah. They're more fun. They are. You know, the thing about fly fishing is it's not a knot until you pull. True. <laughs> So very don't true. don't pull, untangle it a different way. Uh, very true. Who else do we got to thank? Uh, Danny, Danny McConnell from McConnell Farms has uh, been a stalwart of the program. Donated a lot of stuff over the years. Uh, two trees uh, just recently showed up for a, another project for the students. Um, I, I thank them as well. Two Trees Distilling Company out of Fletcher. Uh, we've got a little project that we're doing for them. And that's the other thing I love about this job. The exciting projects we have for local businesses well, it, that have concepts they want to try, or if they need sensory analysis, you know, and that's really, our students yeah. are the, uh, I don't want to say guinea pigs. No, but, but they're, they're they are a the sensory, sensory panel. Yeah. They're sensory panel. And honestly, our students are such a broad range and coming from such broad backgrounds. It's a great swath yes. of, of a consumer industry. And especially second years because they've gone through sensory training. And, and, and now it's actually expanded because we have that company out of Wisconsin that we're, we're you know, doing that draft guard study. And that's mm-hmm. a really, really neat piece of uh, electronic kit that's uh, keeping draft lines clean. And that's unbelievable tech. It, by it, the way. It's working. It's, it works great. Yeah. Um, and there's another company that I haven't told you about, uh, San Diego, that we might be working with. Mm-hmm. Uh, they developed a, a really cool enzyme. Enzyme, enzymes, yeah, in enzymes. So we might be working with that this semester. Um, yeah, we got a lot of irons and a lot of fires, and just trying to keep uh, keep everything above board is is a uh, is kind of a job on onto its own. <laughs> and that that's what makes it fun. It does, it does. It's not the same thing every day by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, and each class has its own subtle nuance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So thanks, thank you. No, thank you. No, because this wouldn't happen without you. It it could. It certainly would. No. And it probably will when I get fired. No. It's only a matter of time. No. I don't think... Yeah, it's probably a matter of time. 
Uh, we should probably cut that part. We could. That's not so organic. So what are we drinking next? Uh, this is the second half of Blue, Blue's Clues. We're going to drink this right quick. Not and Blue's then, Clues. That's trademarked. This is Blue's. You, you, you said Blue's I said Booze Clues. Okay. Didn't I? I misunderstood. We're going to get a cease and desist either way. It's only yeah. a matter of time anyway. before someone from that company is like... Been there, done that. Yeah. Cheers to, cheers. Cheers to our first So this is an Añejo. Añejo rum, uh, Brugal from the Dominican Republic. Um, it is an interesting rum because of the packaging. It has this uh, like mesh. Uh, to protect the bottle. Well, yeah, Like it, you it, would do yeah. on a ship. Like a Chianti. It's not like a Chianti whiskey, wicker basket like so they used to put it in. But yeah, it, it was, was basically protected on the ship yeah, so it from breaking. Yeah, and so um, it stands off on the shelf. We bought it for a sensory class. Uh, it is a is a really easy drinking rum, I think. So what? Uh, I get a what lot makes of, it añejo? Well, añejo means old, and the problem with rum is it's almost like the wild wild west. It could mean it just depends on the country it's coming from. It could have something to do with an age statement. It could have something to do with the color. Um, but there's really no. You'd have we'd have to go to the Dominican Republic, in which they AB Tech could send us there. We would do that for AB Tech, but we could look up the regulations and rules for rum. Wait, would AB Tech send us there? <laughs> They'd probably want to get rid of us in a heartbeat. Oh yeah, I mean, have you met us? Oh, uh, that's true. <laughs> that's why. That's why we're on the ECA campus. Well, that's why we're on a, a podcast too. Yeah. I mean, they don't want us. But um, that being said, rum is is a crazy like. You don't see a lot of age statements on rum anymore because so American, it be the oldest rum or the youngest rum in the bottle. American oak casks, mm-hmm. which pro- means bourbon had, to me. That had bourbon mm-hmm. in it before. So I get a lot of the tannins for sure. I get some uh, vanilla and some oak. I get some yep. orange. Yeah, I get a little bit of uh, cinnamon, a little bit of nutmeg. I mean, it's, it's a pretty... Uh, Pretty straightforward rum. Pretty easy drinking. Wait, did you just say nutbag? Nutmeg. Oh, okay. Nutmeg. I really got to get you're my a, hearing checked. You're a nutbag. <laughs> so I think it's a. Uh, it'd be an interesting rum to experiment with with a Cuba Libre. Uh, it would be an interesting rum to make a daiquiri with because I think it would hold up to a daiquiri. Uh, I just think it's a. This is a good mixing rum. It's a. It's a user friendly rum. That's it, it's that's not, exactly how you described it. This is not one that I would want to uh, sip all the time. No, it, I wouldn't necessarily sip neat, but it, it would be something that would be guilt-free if you're mixing. Yes. Because it's not super expensive and it's, yeah, it's price, relatively price priced. Price point where, yeah. where you need it to be. And it stands off the shelf because it has that little uh, sock that goes around it. It's pretty interesting stuff. I'm just looking at that. I'm just thinking about the actual... Uh, packaging process on this that what a nightmare that would be it would be an absolute nightmare because i guess it'd be kind of akin to shrink wrap well shrink wrap there's no index around the bottom of the bottle and there is uh some some raised lettering on the front so you're gonna have to somehow put the label on the front and the back oh there's an indexer right there there, excuse me there's an indexer but that being said as, as far as filling it and then running it through how stretchy is this? It's got to be pretty stretchy to get over the bottle. No, it's not. No? No. So here, look on the bottom. Do they go from the top down? Holy smokes. Yes, from top okay, down. Okay, top down. So top there's got to be some sort of machine that puts those sleeves on. Otherwise, that would be very labor-intensive to have. Still, just to, for a 
piece of cloth like this or netting, yeah, that would be a nightmare. See, the quality control on that is pretty impressive. Yeah, look, you took the the mesh thing off. I, it's a pretty bottle without the mesh lead, but it certainly stands out uh, with it on. I just can't imagine that. That would. I don't know how they're putting it on there. I'd like to see their packaging line. Actually. So this this is something that we teach uh, this semester is packaging. You know what's interesting? And I might bring this up with the students is how how do they get this on you consistently? Know, it, it's either done by hand, which I can't think that the you could you could it you know afford be. the labor, or what they need to do. AB Tech needs to do is fly us down to the Dominican Republic to see how it's done. We'll go to the distillery. Okay, see how they do it now. They do it like this. It's like a putting on a a stocking, right? Or a nightshirt. Or a nightshirt? For a little girl. Okay, that's fair. My little granddaughter. Your little granddaughter's yeah. nightshirt? Your tiny little peanut head going in there? Yeah, pop, pop, help me out. Yeah. So I, I'm thinking that you'd think they'd almost be put on by hand, right? It would because, be. because of the, the way it was on the bottle, it just looked pretty uniform, and that's the way it came off the shelf in the store. Yeah, so it has to be because these, the top part... Is, isn't stretchy. That goes around the neck of the bottle, and the bottom part has that elastic in it, almost like a hair tie. Yeah. If it was all stretchy, then that'd be an easy thing, but you'd have to pop it like that. Wow. That'd be a mess. Yeah, but if you do like 20,000 of them a day... Probably get pretty used to it. That has to be hand. Done. It has to be done by hand. wow. Oh well, thanks to the right. people at uh, uh, Brugal B R U G A L, and they're on Yeho Superior Rum. Uh, thank you to Beatnik uh, from the folks over in Durham. Uh, it's a. I think that that stuff's fantastic. Super unique. Super fun. Um, okay, did we actually record this one? What do you mean? When did we actually record this one? Of course, we could. I okay. always push record. Okay, I didn't say that the computer didn't update the last time we tried to do this. But all right. Oh well. Uh, once again, thank you, Mr. Lighter. Thank you, James Schram. Thank you, Danny McConnell. Everybody else we mentioned before. Uh, thanks, AB Tech, for continuing to uh, allow us to drop the knowledge bombs on the students. Uh, you got anything else? I think I'm good. I think you're good? All right. Yeah. Oh, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> there. Uh, thanks for listening. Listen, laugh, and learn. This has been Consuming the Craft Podcast.